Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode is with Armando Gallardo. Armando is an old friend. We talk about that. Armando is also a freelance journalist, and we mostly talk about Cuba. He spent three months there in 2016, and we're in 2016 right now. So it's a really good episode. I really, really like Armando, and uh, we don't usually talk uh, about this type of stuff on the show, and I'm really glad we did. Without further ado, here's Armando Gallardo, Cuba, and much, much more. How long have I known you? Um, let's see, 603, so that was uh, 2011? So I've known you for for five years. Or so. Probably a little bit more, maybe a little less. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Sure. The point is, um, I, I know you because of mutual friends, but I, I consistently keep in touch with you besides regular friendship, is because yeah. of your photography. Yes. Uh, when I met you, you had just started shooting. Yes. Yeah. What were you doing at 603 before you were a photographer? Um, what was I doing? Let's see. Um, I finished that. Oh, I was in, so I was in Peru for four months. And before that, I was in the UK living there for six months as I was applying for school. Okay. And getting over my girlfriend. What were you doing? Just hanging out in the UK? Well, I was back then. Actually, I was day trading. Have I told you about this? No, that's why I'm asking you. I was day trading. Why were you doing it? Because it's a job because it's money. Yeah. Did you like it? I loved it. But you know what? It was fucking stressful as shit. Day trading. Horribly stressful. I, this is a dumb... Maybe it's not a dumb question. What is day trading? So basically, it's when you are buying and selling stocks the same day. Okay. So you're not keep Like, most people are buying stocks to keep them long-term. Yes. In my case, I was buying and selling stocks the same day. Sometimes even over hours. And so you were working for a big company? No, this was just for myself. You were paying your rent, essentially flipping stocks. Yep. Did it feel good? Was it exciting? Was it stressful? It was so fucking exciting. And it was also very stressful. Why did you get out of it? Because it was stressful, honestly. You, okay, but now you want to shoot conflict photography. <laughs> sure. That seems a little bit more stressful. Yes. And not nearly as rewarding in terms of finances. <laughs> sure. Were you doing okay in terms of money? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I was able to live in the UK for six months and I didn't have to worry about anything. But it was extremely stressful. This was like back in the days when like the stocks were just like going up and down. As so this is like 09, 08? Uh, this was on 10 actually. 2000, okay, yeah. 2010? Yeah. Okay, so you're in, you're in the United Kingdom for... T- what brought you to the United Kingdom? My ex-girlfriend. What was she, Is she English? She Well, she was Italian-Peruvian. And we were going to move in, look, like live together. And I was going to study, like finish my, my bachelor's there and everything else. And then, like, she broke up with me, and then it was over. And then, but I still was like wanting to move there because I was like, I'm not gonna get. Just, like, so you moved to the United Kingdom alone. Yeah. Where did you live? Uh, but mixed between Oxford and Birmingham. What drew you to that area? Oxford, I just like liked the area. Okay. And then Birmingham is where she lived, like for for like a long time. So like, I was gonna meet her there. We'd met once, and then uh, I just was like, well, there's nothing else to do here. Why'd you guys break up? Um. She cheated on me several times. That's a good reason to break up. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> you live in the United Kingdom for six months, single. Yeah. How many people do you know when you moved there? None. Except for her. None. Yes. Did you make friends? Oh, I made so many friends. How? I couch surfed there for the first time ever. You what? Couch surfed. Couch surfed. Yes. Okay. How? Okay. I understand how couch surfing works. Yes. I don't need to ask that. But how did you make friends? Um, just from the couch surfing like, community. Honestly, like I would just come to a house and then it was like, for example, the first time where I stayed, it was, um, I think, how many words? Like six or seven uh, kids from uh, Lithuania. Lithuania? One of the Baltic countries. Okay. Just living in a house. So like they were automatically my friends. Okay. Yeah. You know how to talk to strangers. Yes. Have you ever, ever, ever had a problem making friends? When I was a young, yeah. What uh, what ages here? Grade school, high school? Like middle and high school. I was pretty shy. What changed? I don't know. That's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So you're in the United Kingdom yeah. for six months. Sure. You don't have your bachelor's degree yet? You're no, like I, w- a- I have my AA at that point. What's an AA? Associate's? An associate, yeah. Okay. So have it a bachelor's. You, 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 are, you came from 
DC at that point. You so you go DC, United Kingdom. Yes, I well if I want to go back further, Florida, DC, United Kingdom. Yes, you grew up in Florida. Uh yeah, most of my partially. life. Partially, partially, yeah. since I was fifteen. That's not the whole life. Where were you before fifteen? Peru. Okay, so <laughs> it, let's let's trace it back. So okay. zero to fifteen, Peru. Sure. Not sure. Is that right? Yes, no, that's right. Okay, and then fifteen to eighteen, Florida. Fifteen to twenty, Florida. Where did you go to school in Florida? Uh, this high school called William T. Dwyer. Okay. Which was actually uh, like 15 minutes away from uh, West Palm Beach, which is where Trump has all his all their properties. This is so great. This is so great. <laughs> all right. So then 20, you go to the United Kingdom? Uh, yeah. So 20, you- wait, no. 20, I moved to, let's see, let me think about this. 15 to 18 to 20, state, uh, Florida. 20 to 22, Peru. 20 to 22. Back to Peru. Yes. Why? To kick us out of the country. That's a good reason to go back. Yes. Okay. And then, so 22 in the United Kingdom for six months. Yes. And then back to Peru? No, 22 to 20... Say 25, 27. 22 to 20... 2010. Yes. I was... I'm 31 now. I can't answer. Oh, God, I feel real dumb right now. (laughs) Let's see. Hold on. Let's do the math. So five years ago, no, six years ago. Yes. So I'm 31, 15, 25. So, so you were there for three years? No, wait. Hold on. Let's make this. Let's Hold on. Let's let's move this. So I moved to, to eight. So, okay. 31, eight, 23. I moved. Okay. Here we go. Okay. I moved to DC when I was 23. 23. Okay. From Peru. Yeah. From Florida. Wait. So, Hold on. Here's from what Peru, I have. No, from Peru. You're right. From Peru. You're right. Thank you. Yes, you're right. So then you're in D.C. How long were you in D.C.? No, that's not true. I'm oh, on. my God. Hold on. I need to <laughs> I need to move a lot. What can I do? I moved to D.C. from Florida. Okay. So, okay. Let's trace this back again. From, from, okay, here we go. From 2000, 2004. Okay. We live in Florida. Okay. I moved to D- to Flo- to uh, Peru for two years after that. Okay. From from two thousand and four two thousand and six, I live in 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 Peru. Okay. Then I moved from two thousand and six or seven uh-huh. to Florida. Okay. I lived there until two thousand and eight. Okay. Then I moved to DC. Okay. There we go. And then DC, then the United Kingdom in two thousand and ten. Twenty ten UK. Yes. Six months, and then back to Peru. Yes. So that's 2011. Yes. And then back to D.C. in yes. 2011. Yep. And that's where I meet you. That's where you meet me, yes. Okay. <laughs> and in between there, you've traveled many places. Many places. And since, okay. How many, how f- full is your passport? I mean, I had to get a new passport just recently. Because okay. it was expiring and it was, it was sure. pretty full. That's so. great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we did not plan on talking about any of that and we're seven minutes in. I wanted to talk to you on the show for the first time. You've sure. shot the show many, many, many times. Yep. Um, I want to talk about Cuba because you were in Cuba for a handful of months. I was in Cuba for almost three months. That makes a lot of sense to me, yes. like why you would go to Cuba right now. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of happened also, but yes, it, it was something that I was very interested in covering at the moment because of everything. What specifically happened. did you want to cover? Stories around the changing country i guess mm-hmm. not specifically in what the media is mostly focusing in like for example i arrived the day that obama got in but i wasn't covering the president yeah um did you had already booked your trip knowing obama was going to be there no or? okay you had already booked your trip it was just happenstance it just kind of happened yeah exactly and that was the day you went to the baseball game it was uh, like the second day he was there it was that, that it was that trip though correct it was i arrived the 20th the day that he arrived there okay and i actually made my flight because he arrived there and stopped all the flights coming into into havana Oh. Yeah, I was not going to be there on time. Oh. So you moved your flight ahead. They... Who's No, that? I almost... No, I missed my my original flight. You, you just missed it. I, that's just what happens to me a lot. I don't know if... How many missed. flights do you miss? <laughs> How many flights have I missed in my life? Yeah. Like 15 or more. Why? It just happens. No, it doesn't. I <laughs> calculate my time. You're bad with time Badly, management. I, I am. I am. I'm okay. getting better. Getting better. I hope. Yeah. I miss, almost missed my sister's uh, wedding once. I had to buy a new ticket on the spot. How much did that cost you? Like two hundred plus dollars. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't bad. You don't care about money as much as someone is. As someone that was a, a a day trader, you don't seem to be like someone that really cares about money. Well, 
to me, I guess the money part is more like it's what it is. You know what I mean? It's just like, well, you either focus on the problem and just stress about it or you just just find a solution and move on with it. I understand that, but you're creating more problems by missing flights. Sure. So Not to... for myself or my family, I think. For everyone. You're part of it. You're the one that has to be on the plane. Yeah, but like if I arrive two hours later, it's not a problem for me. Yes, but that two hours gets translated into like two more hours on the other side of it too. No. Okay, fine. You're, it's totally fine that you're missing flights all over the world. Sure. Okay. So you're going to Cuba same day as Obama. Yes. You, you stayed a lot longer than Obama. I definitely did. How long did it take to really get a grasp of what cuba is or is that such a loaded question that it's impossible to answer well i think that for anybody to excuse me for anybody to say that they understand cuba to the full extent is impossible it's a complex country as it is um i would say that for you to starting to understand things at least a month now do you wish you stayed longer you were there for what three or four months yeah three months okay yeah uh do you wish you stayed longer yes and no shoot um Yes, because I think that there was um, so much more that I could have done. And I definitely, you know, plan on coming back regularly now to continue covering this. Um, no, because I was exhausted by the time I was done with it. Um, you wore some shoes here today. I did. Intentionally. Yes. Um, and I appreciate that. And a lot of people make fun of me because when we do the live show, I wear a suit and it's an audio podcast. But you brought a visual aid for me to see. Yes. Your shoes look horrible. They are destroyed. They are they they're slip on shoes, and they're yeah. not like cheap shoes. It's they not like not. you bought them for on clearance at Target. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with buying shoes on clearance at Target. Very true. They look like fine middle of the road hundred dollar shoes. Yeah. Uh, canvas Sperry's. Yeah. Yeah. They are three holes in the front by the toes, if not more, on both shoes. Yes, and then on the side, there's like a pretty clear like. Loop. Now you walk a lot in D.C. I do. And you, you, but you apparently walked a lot more in Cuba. <laughs> yes, indeed. Why? Um, it's just the easiest way to get around. You know, why and is it the easiest way to get around? Just like there's no public transportation, the taxis are too expensive, they're not reliable. Well, taxis are are. It really depends. So, like, that's another thing that people don't understand. If you go as a tourist, most likely you're gonna pay as a tourist. And by that, by that I mean is like you're gonna. Like, you're going to be walking around, and people are going to stop you right away and be like, taxi, and then you say yes, and then you pay, like, 10 bucks or whatever it might be for a distance that is short, Mm -hmm. considerably, I guess. Uh, But at the same time, you could take this thing called, like, machinas, which is, like, a machine, I guess. Like, this is the actual translation. And they are kind of, like, collective taxis. So, like, a lot of people go in them, and they have, like, a route. So much easier. And those are actually the vintage cars that you see usually mm-hmm. portrayed throughout yeah. pictures and whatnot. So. And how much does that usually run? I'm That's like a lot less than $10. Yeah, it's like 45 cents on a dollar. Um, by the way, if it's okay with you, let's keep it all American dollars sure. if possible just to that. understand things. And yes. you've already started that, so I appreciate that. That's no different than in Mexico then. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess so. Yeah. That's one city I don't like, for example, or like one country I don't like. You don't much. like Mexico? It just makes me uncomfortable. Why? How many times have you been to Mexico? Several times. Like yeah. uh, five times or so. That's, not more. that's a good amount of time to spend. Where in Mexico? Cancun and uh, the city. Mexico City? Yeah. Very. I'm assuming they're very different experiences. They are. You don't like either? Cancun is just like a chill place, you know? In sure. Which, whatever. But Mexico City, I don't, I don't personally like. Is it because it's so big? It just makes me uncomfortable. Like, I feel that if I look at the wrong person or if I... Like, dangerous. Yeah, completely. Once again, you want to study, you want to shoot conflict photography, yes. <laughs> and you are most likely going to cover the RNC. You're definitely covering the DNC. Sure. Sorry, uh, Republican National Convention and Democratic National Convention. Yes. You're not from here. Right. And you had to go back to Peru for a handful of years. It's true. That doesn't scare you at all. It does. Yeah, that doesn't scare me at all. Shooting the Republican National Convention, even, even though you're a journalist, yeah. con- considering where my wife works and how her paper is sure. banned from covering Donald Trump, uh-huh. I would not be surprised if some photojournalists, specifically people on the outside, yes. which is going to be you, yes. happen to be rounded up and arrested, yes. and then just, let's see how we can get people out of here. Right. Not scary to you. That doesn't scare me. Mexico City scares it you. It does. Okay. And maybe it's because I heard horrible stories from friends of friends that ended up seeing like... Have, having their dad like cut into pieces just because they their fathers were murdered and put into buckets yeah but actually the trunk of the car now were you in high school or in college who are these friends these are friends from grad school so these are reliable sources oh completely reliable 
Where'd you go to grad school? I, I knew you at this point. By the way, yes. this podcast clearly is going to be all over the place. This is why I like talking to Romano. <laughs> I don't leave the city nearly as much as you, and I like catching up with you. I'm like, all right, you, here, let's talk about some murders. Okay, good. so where'd you go to grad school? I went to grad school at the United Nations University for Peace. In? In Costa Rica. Okay, so we need to add that little pin on a map. There's a globe behind you. There is. Do you think you've been to the majority of the places on that globe, like in terms of countries? I think you've been to more countries than anybody that's ever been on any of my shows. Uh, that's possible. I don't know. That's but, a good I mean, thing. I still want to be more places. I know. It's so great. So you were in Costa Rica for yeah. six months? A year. A year. It was. Oh, my God. It was a year. But you came back. I, I came back after that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So not of course. Not well, everyone does that. That's true. That's true. Okay, so you were in Costa Rica studying, getting a graduate degree. In media, peace, and conflict studies. For the United Nations. Yes. I didn't know the United Nations had a school it until has four of them. you went. Yes. They're very small, though. They're small. Okay. And they're very United Nations-like. And by that, I mean, like, you really get, like, a worldwide view of, I guess, the world. Mm-hmm. In, in terms that I had, uh, they, like, my classmates were representatives of, like, 54 different countries. How many classrooms did you have? 150. So pretty much three people from each country. Yeah, most American, but yeah. Mostly American. Take, yeah. How many? Any and, other? In Japanese. Really? Yeah. The, how, how did the that The Nippon work? Foundation, which is a foundation, uh, it's kind of like the Fulbright, I guess, of sorts. Sure. Uh, like sends like, their students throughout the world, and UP just happens to have a, uh agreement with them. Do you speak any Japanese? No. I wish. Yeah. Do you, what's the language you wish you spoke? French. That's next. Why? Because it opens you up to like so much more of the world. Or Arabic. That's the other one that I wish really. Yeah. yeah. Is, yeah is the UN in French? I feel real dumb right now. The UN is in Geneva. Yes. Yeah, so. that's, well, that's one of the main. The other yeah, one's yeah, in yeah, New no, York. But what's the like languages that they speak? French. Per- yeah. uh, I was going to say Peruvian. That makes no sense. Spanish and English. Yes, but isn't it the main one? French? First? Yes. Oh, that's weird. It's big, I guess. I've always found that a little odd. I know. I I should know this because I went to school and I learned all this, everything about the United Nations, but I do not remember right now. Well, it, doesn't, it also doesn't really matter because you so. act, you speak the two main languages that aren't French. Yes and no. So, yes, actually. But that said, uh, the reason why I kind of like came back from Cuba, actually, um, wanting to study French. I mean, this has kind of been something that I wanted to do for a while, uh, but more than ever really like decided on this is that I was able to understand Cuba way more than anybody else based on the fact that I spoke Spanish. Also, let me just add this very quickly. There was a guardian um, journalist that was there for a while. He was, he was a travel journalist and uh, it was a shit show just to see him work, you know, in terms of he was just going based on whatever people would tell him in English. And then you have to ask yourself, well, who's able to speak English in the first place? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, so that's when I was just like, well, if I want to go to like, you know, cover Africa, for example, uh, as a continent, like throughout and, and not just go by whatever people are able to tell me because they speak English, I need to learn the language. So French is like a language that I really want to learn next. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's not a surprising thought at all. And I figured if you're the journalist come, if you're a travel journalist, you'd at least have a photographer or somebody with yeah. you that does speak the language. Right, a fixer. They least. didn't have that? Uh, they didn't. That's so surprising because I feel like I don't care where you're from. If you're covering Cuba in 2016, that's like almost common sense to me. Well, you would hope that the Guardian, yeah, you know, out of anybody. It's not like a zine. It's not a exactly. local rag. Right. It's a pretty big deal. Right. I So I had a theory that is maybe they did give him a stipend to have his fixer and he maybe just wanted to save it and just like party up because he was fairly young. He was like 26 years old. Well, that's how, yeah, those are the people that don't have like wives or husbands or kids. Right. So yeah. Do you feel like you're aging out of this? You're 31. Um, No. If anything, I feel like I'm just getting started. Okay. That said, oh, go ahead. No, no, please continue. Okay. That said, one thing that I, I mean, I say this now, I don't know how that's going to play out, but... Uh, I would like to not shoot conflict whenever I have kids. And so do you want to have children? Yes. Ideally, I guess. What's the scariest thing you've seen in the last, I don't know, say five years of doing what you're doing, where you're, you see hmm. somebody or something and it just makes you feel like I am either not ready to be a father or this world is so scary I can't possibly want to have a kid? Uh, <laughs> um, 
I'm not to worry about the world being scary for not me for me not to have want to have a kid, but I'm just mostly worried about me dying. Yeah, and then leaving my kids to just like live on their own and then figure out my life based on whatever memories they might have from friends of mine or yeah. whoever. You have a lot of you have a very wide net of friends, at least in DC. I, I cannot speak for the rest of the world. I'm True. assuming if it's anything like DC, people like you everywhere you go. That's very nice of you. That's, yeah. See, that's a good answer. That's a that's a smart man with a good answer. Um, do you do you keep track of everyone? You have friends literally around the world. Yes, I do. Um, I try to. I used to send like a New Year's message email back in the days. I stopped doing that at some point. Uh, but every so often, I try to say hi to people. Uh, when I travel, thanks to Google, like Google, I mean, you know, Facebook, mm-hmm. Open Graph technology, you can just type now friends who live in X place, and yeah. then it just gives you a list. So, like, if I do that, or if anybody ever like is traveling somewhere and doesn't know anybody, I usually just like offer my network of friends. Who? So, what is the easiest country to make friends? That's a great question. Um, huh, that's a tricky question, actually. Um, I don't know how to answer that question. Or does it even matter anymore? Because pretty much everybody, maybe not Cuba, but pretty right. much everywhere else, they are using Facebook. They're using Facebook in yeah. Costa Rica. They're using right. Facebook clearly in the United Kingdom. Totally. Well, and the the I guess the one advantage that I have is that I'm not American. So I could go to a country that might hate Americans. I still speak the language, but they are, I'm not American. So I like, can be just like, I'm not American. So like, you know, we can be friends, right? That's cool. Yeah, because this is this all starts like this. The timeline for us, for all intents and purposes, starts sure. like in two thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. What? Yeah. Sure. For Florida. Yes, Florida. You say you're in Florida when George Bush becomes president. Yeah. Was that weird? I mean, that's a loaded question. Was because, that true? Yeah. I guess yeah. So. Two thousand to two thousand four. You're in Florida and then Peru. Yes. So you're in Florida during the start of the Iraq War. Uh yes. Yeah, in high school, graduating right, high yeah, school. Of yeah. Did you like uh, living in Florida after Peru? I loved it, but really, I didn't know any better. Just put it that way. No offense to Floridians. You don't have to say that. Everyone okay. gets it. Okay. There's a lot of like no no. I'm, you clearly know I'm from Chicago. I talk about the place way too much. We're the biggest homers, but there's so many problems. We're the most racist city in America. Really? Yeah, we're horrible. Huh. Yeah, but we're all homers, and that's stupid. How long did it take you to feel not like a tourist in Cuba? Um. Let's see. Probably like a month a and month. a half. Why did it take that long? I would say mostly because no matter where you go, you are you are treated as a tourist. When did you stop being treated like a tourist or were you ever not treated like a tourist? I think I don't even know what it is. You know, I think that either the way I looked, like I probably just looked like I didn't fucking care anymore. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. My shoes were starting to show like some decent rips. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you currently are wearing a shirt that's in English. It is. Do you, like, when you travel to Cuba, like, do you, you know what I mean? Or do yeah. your shirts say anything in English? Does it matter? Sometimes, I think they did wear this one t-shirt that says, like, it has, like, a taco. And it's, like, it's like a, it's like a taco restaurant mm-hmm. or, like, Mexican food restaurant. And uh, it says, uh, what is it? It's, like, uh I'll get in that taco. That's what she said. Yeah. But it's spelled as cheese. Yeah. It's a joke. Yes. Thank you. Did you wear that in Cuba? I think I wore it once. Did or I? a couple of times. Okay. Yeah. Did, did it matter? Uh, there was a friend of mine who tried to explain it to her friends in, like, they were Cubans. Yes. And they kind of laughed, but they didn't fully get it. They course. laughed politely because yeah. they're nice people. Right. Name one friend you made in Cuba. Um, One friend. Yeah, just anybody. Just doesn't matter. Uh, my landlady, I guess. Your landlady? Yeah. You became friends with your landlady. Yeah. How old was your landlady? My landlady's landlady? probably like my mom. Well, actually, younger than that. She's probably like in her mid-40s. What did your landlady do to make money? Uh, she had the house. She had the house. That was it. Okay. Just renting it to like tourists. So you rented a, essentially airbnb it. Did you Airbnb it? Yeah. So there is Airbnb in Cuba. There is. You was that surprising that. to you? Um, yeah, actually it's kind of funny. So, um, let's see. Yeah. When I, I booked my Airbnb and then they canceled it on my, as I was getting to Cuba. So I had to be on the phone with Airbnb and be like, help me out. They were very nice. Airbnb customer service is wonderful. I didn't even know they had it and it totally makes sense. It's wonderful. They're great people. Okay. And then, um, eventually they found me a place 
but it wasn't the like they did this kind of like um well kind of sketchy thing i guess by which you cannot post an advertisement on airbnb for a house that it's not actually the one that you are staying in okay but for what i understand they call this guy and they try to talk to him into like renting me the the room uh-huh. And then he was like, the room is full. So then the lady Airbnb was like, well, just say yes. And then you can find him a room with another friend of yours. Even though that's illegal. Weird. Yeah, I know. Has that, happen- out. has that happened for you when you've traveled before? No, never. They never canceled my Airbnb. But the problem is that I was arriving the day that A, Obama was getting in. Yeah. B, it was, uh, um, what is that religious week that it's important for Christians? That's a great question. I went to Catholic school. I should know this. Me too. So it's in June. It's in April. Oh, Easter? Easter. Yes, Easter. Of course. Duh. <laughs> uh, and it was also spring break. How many people were there for spring break? I think plenty. So it was like a fucking clusterfuck of like just tourists all over. You couldn't find anywhere, anywhere to stay in Havana, basically. How big is Havana? It's fairly big, actually. I really? don't know how big it is in terms of like numbers, but it's Give me a city big. comparison. Uh I'm gonna, clear, I mean, it's got to be bigger than D.C. D.C. is very oh, yeah. small. Oh, yeah. It was way bigger than D.C. Bigger than Baltimore? Uh, Baltimore-ish. So smaller than New York City? Yeah. By a lot? Uh, Have you been to Philly? Yeah. About the size of Philly? Yeah, sure. There you go. Philly. A little bit bigger, maybe. It's pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty big. But it's not massive. It's not it's like not Miami. No. Okay. So... How long did it take to, to figure out how to navigate it? I mean, because this is maybe a stupid question, but like, could you use your iPhone for GPS? You cannot. Wait, okay. before I go into that. Yes, me, please. I want to go back to something very quickly. Absolutely. The the outfit question you asked before. Yes. So one thing that I do on the summer, just regularly, this is kind of like weird because I don't really usually do this, but I wear just like white V-necks all summer long. And that's because? Heat and also it's easier. Because I don't have to think about what am I putting on today. I think last year at this time, you were, in, were you in Vietnam? Yes, I was. <laughs> Add that to the map. Sure. Wasn't it like over 100 every day or something uh, like that? Yeah, of course. It was the, it was the, when I got to Hanoi, in, I think it was June 25th or something like that, it was the hottest weather I ever experienced in my life. It was fucking hell, and I didn't know how people... Did like, you lose weight when you were there? Oh, yeah. Just on accident? Food was fucking wonderful. Was it good? Was so that, good. Is that healthy. the best food you've ever had? I mean, I love Vietnamese food. Yeah, sure, but like out of any in terms of, the, of health, like health. No, in food? terms of your joy in eating. I mean, Peruvian food is my favorite, but I'm biased. That's great. No, we're all biased. That's okay. okay. Most people's favorite food is not where they're from. Oh, mine sometimes Peruvian. or Chinese or Vietnamese. When you say Chinese, what kind of Chinese food? Like American Chinese food, like, Peru, like Peruvian Chinese, Peruvian Chinese yeah, food, it's which a is whole what? Thing. It's like you should go to Chifachucano. Check it out. Nice plug for Jose Andreas. <laughs> uh, for the listener at home, Armando and I just did a Jose Andreas story this week. So we just got to eat really delicious yeah. food. Anyways, back to not uh, posh restaurants. Sure. Uh, but anyways, something very to connect this, to this thing about the t-shirts. Yes. So I would walk a lot every day with my backpack. And every time we'd come back to my landlady and give it uh, my clothes to wash, she would always complain about the t-shirts. She would like, do you see this? This is like you being rolling around in the fucking dirt every single time. And it was true. It looked like, I don't know. It looked like... So Cuba is a dustier place. It's very very dusty. Is it just because it doesn't rain a lot? Um, I think it's mostly because of the crumbling buildings around. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And lack of, you know, proper maintenance probably. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, What was... Worse in terms of laundry, Vietnam or Cuba? Cuba. Really? Yeah. But, but your landlady did your laundry? Yeah. She, they have a like a washer. That's weird. Not a dryer, but a washer. Did you do your own laundry in Vietnam? I did laundry. The uh, hostel where I was staying also did laundry for me. That's good. Yeah. Do you have a specific detergent? Because I would say yes, but you don't get to pick when you travel. Absolutely. You got to get used to that. Uh, how white do your shirts stay? In Vietnam, they stayed pretty white. In okay. Cuba, I had to throw them away after this. Wow. Yeah. yeah you were in a like uh, an annual. Armando was wearing a Columbia Heights Day shirt. Yeah. Um, the this is not very funny to pretty much anybody, but uh, my favorite is the one that's spelled Columbia Heights. Yeah, that's the best one. Yeah, it's that like one. four years old. It's like three. Talking about old T-shirts now, yeah. even though Limited you've been edition. in so many countries. Yep. Uh, why do you keep coming back here? Here being DC, it's home. Simple as that. Is it home? It's home. You feel more at home in D.C. than Peru? 
Yes. You see it more than in uh, Florida. Oh, yeah, of course. What about your family? My if they heard in that, Florida would you be upset? They would they be, be upset. upset. They understand that. Okay. My mom is sad every time I have to leave, but... Sure. But you go that. back for, like, weeks at a time. Yeah, well, a week now. That's a, that's, that's a long enough stay. Yeah. It's still Florida, no offense. Yes. What do your high school classmates think of this? Do you talk to any of them? No, probably a few of them, maybe. Yeah? They're just so different from me. Do they have, like, kids and families at this a point? A lot of them do. How do you feel uh, about that? I mean, you know, it's their deal, right? Cool. Also, they... So I think that actually it's just funny. So like my, not my high school, high school friends, but like my friends from college in Florida because I started college in Florida uh-huh. um, who might be Floridians or not. The way they kind of like bring me up as, at times, it's kind of like I'm the liberal of the crowd, the very like open minded one. You don't have a lot of liberal friends from no in Florida. That was a sincere question. I don't know. No, definitely not. How close to Miami are you? Two hours. It's pretty far. Yeah, but yeah. you are like also like in Trump's territory at that point. Yeah, so that's a nice area, though. It's very nice. Like posh. Very posh. Um, do you think that makes you more drawn to conflict, or does it not even matter? I don't understand the question. Well, for example, on Thursday this week, you sure. were in Baltimore covering protests. I was. And you're going to go to cover the conventions, and you're mostly probably going to cover like the protest angle. Yeah. You used to cover Occupy. Yes. You go to places that are not necessarily not like good things are going on they're no, like no. changing there's right. some tense moments of course that's the opposite seemingly of west palm beach yes very much so actually. that's what i mean like does do you think that has anything to do with it or you just like excitement or you just want to experience as many things as possible i think it's a little bit of everything okay i definitely like you know it will, i would be lying if i don't tell you that i get a you know generally rush out of covering it yeah um at the same time i i just think that sometimes Movements, movements like that, either protests or whatever it might be, are not properly covered by the media. I'll give you a quick example of this. When I was covering Occupy, um, and I understand this, I'm nothing wrong with staff photographers by, by all means. They do fantastic, amazing work. But uh, because of the timing that they have, they have to stay somewhere probably like shoot for an hour or, or less than that and then go somewhere else. And then things happened and they miss it. Just simple as that. So what I like about and I guess I connect this with being a freelancer, is that I have independence over my time. And if I feel that there's a need for me to stay somewhere longer because uh, either something's going to happen or I want to stay longer to talk to the protesters and understand better uh, where they're coming from, I can do that. And I think that's where it comes from. Like one of the main things about for me to like staying somewhere for a long time is just I like to, I want to really understand what is really happening and not just a quick what we call backpack journalism, which is basically what Anderson Cooper does, for example. Mm-hmm. He goes somewhere, stays for like a week or so, reports on it, and thinks he understands completely, you know, the conflict or whatever might be happening. Is there anyone that you think is doing it the right way? There's a lot of photojournalists that are doing fantastic work. Name one. Um, a lot of them I know are dead now, but uh, let me try to think Wait, about why, somebody. Like just because of time or like they happen to be... Though they died like covering the conflict. Great. Yeah. Jesus. Lindsay uh, Diario... Adario, Lindsay Adario, does good work, for example. Where does she work? She's, she's, a, freelancer? she's a freelancer, but she not, mostly now works for the New York Times. I wish there was. I don't cannot remember the name of the... of the. Um, I mean, she's like pretty big, but I mean, this other person that I'm about... I cannot remember her name, but she's covering the, the crisis in Venezuela for the New York Times, mm-hmm. and she's doing fantastic work, like amazing pictures, amazing stories. So is that the goal for you, the New York Times? Because that's two yeah. in a row. Where, okay. I think so, probably. Why the New York Times over, say, PBS NewsHour or something like that? I mean, I would be BBC happy, or something. I would be happy shooting for BBC or, you know, PBS or whoever yeah. it might be. I mean, I think the New York Times is, is just the most, inf- like, you have, they just oh, are it's more still the paper of note. You know what Clearly, I mean? Clearly, yeah. That's, and I think that does a lot of the, the reasons why people like me, like, do, does the work that we do. Like, it's just like... Uh, we want to some way somehow influence whatever is happening. You know what I mean? Um, in the world, and also hopefully get to people to understand whatever is happening in a better and more complex way. I guess. Do you have insurance? No. Do you worry about that? Because isn't it technically illegal not to have insurance right now? In terms of what America? Oh, I don't have to follow that. that. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> does your uh, do your do your that said. Go ahead. I'm now finally thinking about getting insurance. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, yeah. Yeah, I think you should. I know. Or, I, at, least, or at least a life insurance policy. I know, right? <laughs> Maybe that's the thing. Seriously. Um, what's a story that you've been able to tell 
that if you were not a freelancer, it could not have happened? Um, huh, let me think. I mean, Q is probably one of them, you know, without a doubt. Um, because, okay, let me, so let me give you a quick example of this. In Cuba, I was working without a press credential, mm-hmm. okay? Um, for you to get a press credential, you have to apply at the nearest consulate, Cuban consulate, like a month or so before your travels. And then they can, they can either accept or deny your requirement, your, you know, a request for a credential. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is this. If you get a credential, you go in, you're more scrutinized than anybody else. And then you most likely are going to uh, be taken wherever they want you to see. Whatever they want you to see. So, like, of course. So, for example, I did a story for AJ+, Plus, which is the social media wing of Al Jazeera. And uh, I did it about uh, school, basically the music programs at public schools there. And if I would have done that as a credential journalist, what I would have had to do is I would have gone to the Department of Communications, which is run by the government, obviously. Then they would have said yes, and then they would have picked the top school that can show me all the greatness about sure. Cuban, you know, everything. And then they would have taken me there. They would have escorted me in and out, told me basically, you should shoot this and suggest suggest whatever and whatnot. And then, so that's number one. Second of all, uh, it is true that the government has like undercover, like, government officials as well as military and police just all over following you, you know, so they can see what kind of things are you doing. Uh, at the same time, let's say that, uh, and Univision gets this all the time, like they have sent people to cover things and then they get approved for their press credential. And then once they get to the immigration officer, actually in Cuba, they said, no, you gotta, you cannot come in because they kind of let you in depending on the coverage that your your channel or your news outlet is mm-hmm. doing in Cuba. So there's just a lot of complex like things that I just didn't want to deal with. I just want as I, I go back to what I was saying, I wanted to get the story f- for what it is. Sure. So um also there was just no time for me to get the credential at that point. I mean, I basically got to go on a Thursday and I was on my way there on a Saturday. What was your route from DC? My route, it was, uh, let's see, D.C., Bahamas, Bahamas, Havana. So you could not have gone direct at that point? No, no, no. I mean, I could have, like, I could have taken it. I don't know if there was, there's a charter flight already from D.C. to um, Havana, but. Do you ever really want press credentials if you're doing what you're doing? Yes. There's instances in which you want it, obviously. Give me an example. Um, the RNC, if you want to go inside. Sure. You know what I mean? But what's the story you're going to get on the inside? Exactly. Right? So it seems almost pointless. So it seems like press credentials are fine if you're covering fun things. Like sure. Like a show, food. Well, or like you need to cover to cover something inside in which they're not going to just let you in if you don't have the credential. Like the Senate. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's You know fair. what I mean? You mentioned government agents following you. Yes, it happens. Okay. How? Prove it. You know what I mean? It's like... Okay. So I'll give you a couple examples of how to prove it. And people are listening to this can go online and check it out, I guess. Um, If I'm mistaken, it was NPR that did a story um, in which when Obama went there uh, to Cuba, there were people that were dissidents and they were at some point throwing flyers and talking shit up against the government and stuff like that. And they were very quickly surrounded by plainclothes people and thrown into a van and that was it. So that's one example. And that's like coming from NPR. Sure. Um, another example is that. So. Well, we can go back in this at some point. The Internet part. Um, a lot of the Internet, like the way you connect to the Internet is through like a black market selling and trading of one hour cards. We'll get there in a minute, I guess. And you can ask me that later. But um the sellers of this who are known like they can go to jail for quite some time for selling this internet cards uh know the cops that are undercover they just look like cops i guess i don't know so like i made friends with them and then they'll be like i cannot sell your car right now because there's a cop looking at me right now you know and, and then at some here's and then at some point i will be like sitting down using my computer and then somebody will just come and be like do you know where can i get a like an internet card 
and there were like people sitting like right next to me that were selling them and you know they but they weren't and then but he wouldn't come with a cell phone or any kind of way to connect it so i was like i actually do not know and then you everybody could tell right away as soon as he left he was like that's a cop he's just trying to get some info on who's selling the car so they can take them how does the internet card work okay so connecting to the internet it's a very complex thing and not really at the same time so in the past the cubans have had access to internet for probably say five or six years or more than that um dial up that is but only people that are attorneys teachers work for the government some kind of you know i guess technology related initiative um so internet is not really widespread per se actually cuba has five percent penetration of internet compared to the rest of the world. Okay, that's not a lot. I know. Um, so the way it works now, this is like quite recent, it's like a year old, is you have Wi-Fi areas. And by that I mean like either a plaza or the surroundings of a hotel by which the uh, like the telecommunications company run by the government allows you to connect to internet through a Wi-Fi card that is one hour. If you buy it from them, it's $2.00. If you buy it from somebody on the black market, which is basically anybody that's selling it to you, it's $3. So why would you go through the black market? Because if you, well, basically, if you want to sit in line for like an hour plus, oh, okay, you go and pay $2. If Got you it. want to just get to, it's pretty funny, actually. You get to show up to a park or something that has Wi-Fi and people will be like, pss, 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 and then you look at them and they're like, Wi-Fi card? And then you basically sit next to them, and it's almost like you're doing some kind of drug dealing. They give you the card, you give them $3, and everything is done, and they're like, go away now. That is so fascinating. It's fascinating. I was... Go ahead. Were you using a Mac? Yes. How many people there were using Macs? Nobody. Were you standing out? Were they like, what the fuck? We're going to rob this dude? Well, you know, crime in Cuba, it's really not... Not a problem for me, for Is example. it the safest country you've been yes, to? Yes, without a doubt. That's so odd. I could walk there with my camera, with my computer, with whatever. I, I have uploaded videos at, from 2 to like 8 in the morning in Cuba, and nothing happened with me outside you, on the street. Wow. Yeah. Wait, very quickly. Yeah, please. Because I, I think this is important. Um, the internet trade thing. Yes. So, um, so, yeah. So, you pay $3, right? So... I I made friends with the people that were selling there because they will I will buy cards from them all the time, and uh, so I started asking them questions about how did that work and whatnot. So basically, they told me that they make between two and three hundred dollars a month just selling the cards. Now, if you compare that to the twenty five dollars a month that an average government uh, worker does, it's just so much more money, you know. And that's what a lot of people are, you know, selling cards basically. Absolutely. Um, there is a limit of three cars that you can buy if you go to a government-run, you know, office. Mm-hmm. So usually they have somebody on the inside that gives them the cards, or uh, they just go to several offices and get as many as they can. Yeah. Um, also, if they get caught by the police, the first time they give them a sixty-dollar fine, which is a lot of money. Which is a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and they have three days to pay that. And if they don't pay that, then they get seen by a judge. And then most likely they got sent to at least six months of jail time. Holy shit. Yep. Um, now, you can't get in trouble for holding that you know, Wi-Fi card, quick, can you? Great question. I guess not. Because you're tour, not selling? You're not selling, Is right. it sort of like weed right now in most cities where it's like it's technically legal to have, but you can't sell it? Right. I guess so. It's a good okay. point. Yeah, I like that comparison. Well, I'm just thinking of like what you usually would sell in a park going, psst, 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 that's yeah, just weed. Sure. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. Okay, so wait, it's very quickly. Only, I'm listening. Yes, yes, yes. Go. Okay. Um, if you are, if you're picked by the police several times doing this, let's say two plus, then you have to pay a hundred and twenty dollars, and you have to pay it right away. Now these guys that I'm, are they all male? No, they're both female males. Okay, so d- did you talk to anybody that has been caught? Yes. Was everyone caught at a certain point? Uh, yeah. most of them were. Do you know anyone that had to serve time? No. Okay. Did they mention any of their friends that had to serve time? Yes. Do you know anything about the jails or prisons in Cuba? All I know is that it's just like as miserable as it gets. Really? And you get, well, I mean, I guess I cannot prove it. So like. Sure, sure, sure. But, you know, caveat, I guess. But uh, people get beaten up badly there. Yeah. 
as so. opposed to our great prison system where I know, nothing right? bad happens. Yeah, exactly. Have you done any stories on prisons? <laughs> Not yet. Do you want to? I will love to. Do you care where they are? Um, I guess not. I mean, but that's me just saying this right now to you. Yeah. You know. Because I'm interested to know, like, Mexico City yeah. versus, like, Chicago versus Ontario. I highly doubt that anybody will give you access to a Mexican prison, though. Yeah, maybe. The I government there is pretty corrupt. You just came from Cuba. That's true. It's pretty corrupt there, too. Do you think not having a U.S. passport makes it a lot easier for you? Yes. In a certain way? Because, like, let's say you went to Cuba with a U.S. passport. You're not supposed to, right? Yes, you're not. Well, you can well, now, now under the like, 12 different categories. You would have been probably followed a lot more closely. Well, I'll tell you something funny. So when I came in into Cuba and I brought all my equipment, um, I had to make a decision, first of all, to not bring my wireless uh, mics because that's illegal. Anything wireless, it's illegal because they still think that they're gonna you're going to be listening to their conversations on the radio. This is pretty communist you know, sure, Cold sure. War kind of like mentality, I guess, more than anything. But um, I, I have a, I have a National Press Photographers Association membership card that I carry around whenever I cover these things. Because if I do get caught with that, like here, we do have an attorney that can, you know, do Does that come else. up yet? Uh, me, like having to use that? Even? Yeah. No, not yet. Has it helped in terms of like showing the cop, like, hey? Yeah. Okay. Very much. So it has helped. Yeah, without a doubt. Did you use it in Baltimore this uh, week? I put it on, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Do you it, wear it around your neck? Yes. Okay. Uh, but when I went into Cuba, I make sure to really hide that very well. As well as any kind of, de- like, you know, U.S. related uh, So it's documents. from the national means the U.S.? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, have you covered China at all? Do you want to go to no, China? not yet. So this oh. is the first and thus far only communist country you've been to. Well, also, I guess, Vietnam, right? If you, you count me, that as a communist country. It doesn't seem like a communist Like, you were able it's to the, access yeah. Wi-Fi a lot Oh, no. Easier. I mean, Vietnam is, like, years far away from Cuba in terms of, like, just technology and, you know, private sector and whatnot. You yeah. know, like, I gone. It's, like, it's like basically, for what I understand, like, it's just, like, a city, like, uh, I don't know, New York City in the world, you know? Yeah. But Havana is just, it's just a different pace for everything. Are Very you when you're just covering like the Baltimore Freddie Gray stuff? Yeah, um, is any of the Cuban stuff influencing or not, or is it just completely different? Is it more like Occupy or something like that? Um, well, Baltimore is just like more like Occupy without yeah. a doubt. You know, Cuba is just like its own little world. You know, like in terms of the covers that I did there, as well as the work that I did, and and uh, just the country. You know, and the way things move. And um, when I was there, like just before leaving to Mexico City. Uh, there was this one guy there who was like, if you could, are you gonna, he was like, are you, when are you going to come back? That's like actually a common question there. When are you coming back? Yeah, when are you coming back? Um, and I was like, I don't know, maybe a couple of months, you know, I mean, I want, really want to come back soon. And he was like, if you could bring wireless repeaters and, or not repeaters, but so basically it's another thing connected to the internet part. So there's the people that sell the cards and there's people that get like a five hour card and then they get a wi- like a Wi-Fi repeater basically that acts as a hotspot. So they're able to share their connection with other people. And then instead instead of charging them three dollars mm-hmm. for people that cannot pay that, they charge them one dollar and they can connect for an hour. But so what you see is pe- somebody sitting down with a laptop, for example, mm-hmm. with like a USB thing sticking out, mm-hmm. and then there's like that's de- like dozens of people surrounding them. But that's not illegal. Uh, I think that's illegal. The question is, like, how can they prove that kind of thing, right? Yeah. But it seems like already, if you're trying to police this, it doesn't really matter about proving things. Well, yeah. It's the internet. Right. So did you use your phone, then, when I, you were on the internet I used at all? both my phone and my laptop. Okay. Yeah. They, what is in police, though? Like, the internet was not policed at all. In terms you, of what sites. can you access and not, yeah. there's a lot of things that are not being accessible. What can't you access? Um, for example, the platform that I used to find like like gigs online for like journalism, it was blocked. That's an example. It's a good uh, thing to block. Yeah, Blink, which is another uh, site app slash slash app that uh, is used for freelancers to also connect to news outlet, was also blocked. What did you? How did you upload things? Um, was that blocked? That wasn't blocked. Okay. Um, that said, I was able to use both things that I just said that were blocked because I use a VPN. So it makes the, the intercomputer or the internet things that you're from connecting from somewhere else. So it seems like it's just inevitable that everything will 
be sort of free. Um, but people still like need to figure that out. That's the thing. Like, yeah. people, uh, Cubans have not been exposed to the internet longer than a year, really, if wow. you think about it. So, yeah. like, a lot of times I will be sitting down, and just because I happen to have a MacBook, people would approach me and like be like, "Can you help me connect to the internet?" Like, and people were having like first time ever connections to the internet. If I can name like numbered list the, the numbers of times I help connect people that were connecting the internet for the very first time. I will do a story on that. I know. It was insane. It was just like first time they were having like a conversation with like their children in Miami or like first time that they were getting a transfer they needed to like connect to like WhatsApp. Well, WhatsApp doesn't work. Well, it works not through voice. That's another thing that doesn't work. Voice calls on Facebook Messenger. WhatsApp doesn't work. Viper doesn't. Viber doesn't work. I guess it's the other one. Skype? Skype doesn't work. Um, Periscope? FaceTime doesn't work. Periscope does work, surprisingly. Weird. Yeah. Oh, this is fascinating stuff. I know. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, but it's the kind of crazy where it's like, well, is it going to be like this in six months, a year? Do you well, want to go back now or is it just like, I don't want to ruin that because it's going to be a hell of a lot different? I mean, it's definitely going to be different if you go there like a month from now. You know what I mean? Uh, I know Google is definitely trying to bring the internet to Cuba soon. Uh, T-Mobile signed an agreement to do cell phone, but including data. In, in Havana, at least. It's going to change everything. Well, yeah, because if you can, I, you know, that's the thing. Like, imagine not being able to use your data on your phone on a daily basis. Like, that's a game changer. Yeah. You know, so if, if I am able to go to Havana and then have internet on my phone, like, holy crap, that's going to be a huge change for everybody that's able to get that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Insane. This is, I, I just can't wrap my mind around a lot of this stuff. And I think that, the best way to do it is just like you have to go there and see it for yourself. Yeah. You know, like going, walking into a park and then seeing at night, maybe even hundreds of people just connected on, like looking at down their phones, like big party scene, like music going on, drinks and everything. And that was like the place to be because there, that's where the internet is. It's just like mind fucking blowing. So the party revolves around the internet and the internet is in a park only. Yes. Wow. Yeah, or around hotels that have Wi-Fi. Why is it so safe? Why is it so safe? Um, I guess two main reasons. One, people I'm sure are afraid of going to jail, so they are not going to risk getting arrested for just trying to rob. That said, I mean, crime does happen um, in the sense that somebody might open your backpack when you're not looking and then grab it's like something. like petty theft. Exactly. But they're never going to grab like a knife or guns. So it's not like, like an American city at all. No, 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 no. I mean, they, you, that might happen to somebody maybe. I'm not saying sure, it doesn't sure, happen, sure. but it's not a widespread. You do not feel threatened at all. Never. I walked there with my camera. It's so my, weird. And I, safest country I've ever been in my entire life. What's the worst country you've ever been doing in your entire life? Uh, Mexico? Probably Mexico, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Or Peru. Ooh, Peru, yeah. Do you think that's all going to change, though? Because the more tourists, the more American tourists specifically, I don't think the crime more is ugly gonna... Americans show up. I don't think crime is going to change, uh, like, how safe it is, I guess, uh, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but it's going to change. You know what I mean? Like, it's just going to become more touristy. And that sucks, you know, because then people are not really under- able to understand the real Cuba. Sure. If there's one thing you can get across to people that have never most people who have never been to Cuba what's the one misconception that you want to remedy I was going to do an Instagram post about this into was going to be video just like very quickly and it's basically Cuba is not just vintage cars and crumbling buildings that's really what it take the, the main thing that I would say yeah you know there's so much more to it there's like so much so many great things about it it's just like and that's the thing like I, I think a lot of people want to go to Cuba because you just want to see this like all city before it changes. And w- what people should really be asking themselves is like, well, is the change, who's really going to be benefiting from the change? You should be going to Cuba wanting to, wanting the change to benefit the Cuban people, whatever that might be. You shouldn't just go to Cuba and be like, oh, I'm just going to be voyeuristic about this and like see how people are living in this like old town that looks like it's being like from the 50s or something and like take photos. And objectify people, as simple as that. You know, like, that's something that I think is the worst thing about people going to Cuba at this moment. Um, I think we've covered Cuba really well. You have specifically. Uh, I have one, maybe two final questions that aren't related to Cuba. 
um, that one of them relates to us and one of them is the future. Let's go to the past first. You covered Occupy yes. Wall Street. You also covered Occupy DC. Yes. And uh, one of the th- your photos went sort of viral. Yeah. And I feel bad about that because I was at the Huffington Post at the time. And you're like, hey, do you use Huffington Post want any photos? I was like, yeah. I'm like, you know that Huffington Post doesn't pay for this shit. You're like, no, it's fine. And I still feel guilty about that. Don't feel guilty. Because you took this one amazing photo of these cops. Yes. Um, like standing by. It was like a, a an ad for a bank. For It was an ad for a uh, TV show, but that, that wanted... It was basically a TV show that took on the Occupy movement. Yes. And it was something like, uh, we don't, we only, we only worry about the 1% or something like that. Yes. It was something like, I can't remember exactly. It was great. It was great. Yeah. And it went viral. It was pretty interesting. But you made no money on that. No money on that. And Huffington Post made money on that. I'm sure he did. I mean, at least they got hundreds of thousands, not millions of views of that. How do you, do you even care about it? Or is this like, hey, I, I snapped it. I'm done with it. I'm moving on. Next. Well, I think that that also speaks a lot about like the gradual change that has gone with my, this as a career. Like when I first started shooting, and this is something like I feel completely embarrassed to like, you know, mention, but I, I think that it's important to mention. I was, for example, submitting stuff to like I report on CNN, right? Because I thought like that was the, that was what I should have done, you know, like, cover things and then CNN will like pick my photos and then put them up but then they'll put the photos like on Wolf Blitzer like the Situation Room this happened actually um, same thing the Huffington Post you know like I was just giving the photos and they'll put them up and you know I was happy because it was something else to add to my portfolio I guess but I was getting paid nothing for it um, I think that once you start talking to people in the actual field then you understand you start understanding how you know the just the state of journalism as it is, you know, the millions of, not millions, but probably thousands of people that have lost their jobs because of, to some extent, social media, to some extent, like people giving them free, you know, stuff out there. Um, as well as really starting to see this as a career more than just my hobby. I think that that's when I went from like, no, I am not going to be just giving your, my stuff for free. I mean, I just I just came today to you and I was just talking about how I'm negotiating you know, this yeah. contract in which they're trying to lowball me. And I'm like, no, we're not going to do this. And if it takes for me to say, sorry, but no, then that's what it is. Got it. Uh, finally, uh, do you have any desire to cover the Olympics? Yeah, that'd be great. I have a feeling that you'd want to cover them for the same ideas that you'd like covering conflict and the same ideas if you'd like covering Cuba. Yes. Because I don't think, I think of most people's perceptions of that city are not positive. Yeah. And unlike Cuba, uh, all the perceptions are, it is not a safe city. Right. So it's like a Mexico City meets Cuba yeah. with a protest on top. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. how the Brazilian Olympics look to me. Well, and also like a city that is just not, you know, putting money just because of the Olympics surrounding that as a spectacle, basically, you know, but not putting money where the money should be really going. To be fair, that's an Olympic tradition. I mean, that's sure. every city that's ever <laughs> sure. had the Olympics. Fair enough. Except maybe LA in the 80s. And I'm probably wrong on that. Mm, yeah, like, I don't know. Atlanta, even that's like not that great. Atlanta, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So it's not like the Olympics are always good for everyone. Oh yeah, definitely not. But yeah, I mean, I think that if I would go there, I would like to cover stories around again the Olympics. Like who's benefiting from it? The people that are getting kicked out of their houses because you know doesn't have to look like a favela anymore or anything like that. Uh, as well as happy stories, you know. Like I think that, and that's another thing. Like when I was studying. Uh, when I was going to grad school and we were studying, uh, you know, my master's, like one class that I really, really caught my, caught my attention was how can you like cover peace in a time of war? And I think that's a fascinating topic because whenever there's conflict happening, like peace initiative, whatever they might be, are not covered because they're not sexy. They don't sell, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an important thing to cover. You know what's interesting about that is when I was at Huffington Post, when yes. you were sending these great photos, um, happy always clicks better than sad. That is true. Which is weird because that goes against what you're just saying. That is true. So it's really about what's one line, what's one headline, what's one photograph where I can make this go viral yeah. that's a positive thing. Sure, exactly. That's really difficult, though. It's difficult. It's without a doubt very difficult. Uh, where's next? Where are you going next? Um... Well, now I'm trying to make my mind if I want to stick in D.C. for the summer, which was my original intent. But something that happened in Cuba was that I just realized I'm like, I really love doing this, you know, and it's just 
so great to just get to like go somewhere and cover stories and try to understand better like the the country. Um, so I would say it's either gonna be the states for the summer and travel the conventions and whatnot, or Venezuela. I want to do that even if I do that. You know that like I want to go to Venezuela for at least a couple months and cover the crisis there. Um, I think there's like so many interesting stories to cover there. Um, but also now with the recent uh, agreement that the FARC and the Colombian government did, I will be very interested in covering the life of the soldiers that I have to reintegrate into society. So you, you want to cover the peace process? Yeah. Like yeah. what happens next? Yeah. You know, how does a country that has been at war and in so much pain for so many like years comes back to allowing these people to just be friends with each other just the same way that has been happening in Rwanda after genocide you know uh yeah so we'll see I'm glad I know you at 31 I really hope I still know you when you're 61 me too which means don't die I will try my best if you if you die you don't get your the the reason why you went to a one place sorry let me take that back actually um yeah I'm confusing if you die you're not able to get the pictures or the stories out so that's a good motivation. That's for me a very good motivation. 